Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. in song, preparing our hearts to come before him. If you don't know me, my name is Cal. I'm part of the staff team here. And I I am really excited about our fall theme, Taste It Again. Um, Obviously, this is uh, a play on the Jif peanut butter commercial, uh, but I I love the idea of just simply taking time to come to the Lord, or maybe some cases for many of us, to come back to the Lord and experience his goodness again. A special welcome to those who are watching on our live stream. This is new for us, and so if there's some glitches along the way, I trust that you'll forgive us and, and be patient with us, but we're going to try some new things here as we live stream. But if you're watching at home, it's great to have you watching with us as well. It's great that we can kind of join together in this way. Going back to our theme, taste it again. Pastor Layton brought out last week that our natural tendency, really as human beings, is kind of to drift away from God. Coupled that with the events of the last 18 months and some of the ups and downs that we probably all experienced, and we can see that our our closeness to God is challenged. Our relationship, our intimacy with God is challenged. And I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey, but I know that there have been times this last 18 months where I have all of a sudden realized I've drifted. I didn't even notice it at first, and all of a sudden I looked up and I realized I wasn't as close to God as I either thought I was or I wanted to be. As we need to be intentional, intentional excuse me, about remaining close to him. And as we move through this series, we don't want this series just to be a head teaching of things that you can do or challenges from God's word. We want this actually to be experiential in your life. So that when you go from here on, after a Sunday service, you actually try to implement some of the things that we're trying to do. You gather with other believers around you. You start talking a little bit more about what it means to, to, to taste it again. To come back before God and experience his goodness over and over again. So that we don't end up drifting too far before we write and adjust our course. Now, last week our whole kickoff service was built around our key passage for this series, Psalm 34. And Pastor Layton, including our worship team, some other staff members, and and, uh, excitingly enough, our partner congregation pastors, led us in worship through this passage. And Pastor Layton invited each and every one of us to to taste and see that the Lord is good. And over the next several weeks, that is going to be our standing invitation to each and every one of you, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now this morning, I want to just zoom in on what is actually our key verse in that key passage of Psalm 34, which is verse 8. So let me begin just by reading it for us. You can, uh, it's just on the screen here behind me. Uh, if you want to open a, a scripture app or your Bibles, you can turn there to Psalm 34 and follow along. I'm just going to read verse 8. Here David writes, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. 
And from this invitation, I want us to look at three aspects of God's goodness to both encourage you, but then to also challenge you to taste and see that the Lord truly is good. Now, before we get into this verse, let me just begin by taking a closer look at that word, good. Here's a little quick exercise. Just turn to somebody beside you and use the word good in a sentence. If you're at home watching, uh, go ahead and do that as well. Turn to whoever you're watching with and use the word good in a sentence. Now, if you're by yourself, uh, maybe type something in the comments so other people who are watching online can see as well too. Okay, go ahead and do that right now. Just take 20 seconds to do that. Turn, use the word good in a sentence. All right. Now, I'm not going to ask you for the sentence that you may have used, but, but good is one of those words, I think, I wonder if today it hasn't lost a lot of its meaning. It's kind of become a catch-all word, hasn't it? Kind of like when you say, how you doing? You say, you're fine. You can say, I'm good. Like, like good is, is really a, become very nondescript, is I guess what I'm trying to say. It doesn't mean a whole lot. Like I said, how are you doing? Well, good. How was that restaurant that you tried? Oh, it was good. How was the message this morning? Well, it's good. Anytime you fill out a survey or an opinion card, where does the word good lie? It's usually right in the middle, right? It's not, I think I have an example, yeah. Between very poor, very poor and excellent. So, so good's like kind of five out of 10, it's the average. It's not bad, but it's also not excellent, or neither is it amazing or outstanding. But the Hebrew word here for good in the psalm is tov. And, and yes, it does mean, when you translate it, it does mean good or pleasant. The, the context in which it's being used here is, is actually a comparison word. So it's not trying to, to put a number of value on it to say it's good, meaning it's 5 out of 10 the way we might say it is. It's actually comparing things. So, for instance, if I asked you, uh, what's good? Minus 55 in the winter or plus 20, like on a day like today? I hope you would all say, well, plus 20 is good, because you're comparing it to something else. Or if I asked you, if you opened your wallet and you found $20 that you didn't know was there, or you all of a sudden discovered that you were missing a credit card, you'd say finding $20 is good, because you're comparing it to the other option. So the Hebrew word for good here, it's, it's a comparison word. So what David is saying in this psalm is, if you take everything else, and compare it to anything else in the world, pick anything you want, and you compare it to God, you will see that only God, only the Lord is good. Everything else pales in comparison to the Lord. This is why in the early part of the Psalms, he actually exhorts us, David exhorts us to worship, to praise, and to extol God and God alone. Only God is worthy, only God is good. But, but that leads to kind of our next kind of conundrum then, right? What really then is good? Even if it's a comparison, how do we define good? Because you see, most of the time, when we say something is good, it's a very subjective or personal view of something, right? That is good. Let me try to illustrate with a simple example here. I need a volunteer, a younger volunteer, if I don't mind. One of your, Jeff, can one of your boys come on up here? Just touch it, have it. Come on up here for a second. Just come on up. It's no case. Not embarrassing at all. Your parents just picked you up. Come on up. Yeah, come on. Help cheer him on. Yeah, there you go. Okay, come on up here. I'll stay a little bit away from you. Sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but remind me your name again? Connor. Connor? Okay, Connor. I have on the screen here, 
three pictures, okay? Can, can you guys hear me okay? No, the mic's not working quite right, so here, I'll pull this off. Okay, we have on the one side marinated octopus salad, apple, rocket candies. I want you to think about which one is to you is good. Don't just think about it. Don't, actually, you know what? Let's help him out a little bit. Come on, come over on this side here. I have here some marinated octopus salad, an apple, and rocket candies. So, do you want to smell this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Which one would you say then is good? Okay. Which one would you want if you were given the choice? Okay. <laughs> Very well done. You're good. Take these. Go ahead and sit back down again. If anyone else wants octopus salad, just come and see me afterwards. And I mean, I'm having a little bit of fun, of course, but even in this simple example, what, what is good is kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? Now, how many of you, if I asked, would have picked the octopus salad and said that it was good? Ah, where's my Asian homies? There they are right there, yeah. Sure, they would have said it was good. Some of you would have said an apple is good because it's nutritious, it's healthy for you, right? And some of you said the candy would have been good simply because it's sweet and it, it tastes good. Um, it's very subjective. So what's to say that the statement that David makes here, the Lord is good, isn't just as subjective? What if this is just David's opinion on something? Would it not be as legitimate to suggest that the Lord is good, but good for you, but maybe not so much good for me. And see, when it comes to things like um, food, movies, art, your favorite sports team, so on, what is good, yes, it truly is subjective. But what about other more significant, more important things? Things like values, or morality, or behavior, and so on. Can we accept that what is good is also subjective? That your definition of what is good can and maybe even should be different than mine? Now, I don't have time to go deeply into this point this morning, but you can already see how this presents incredible difficulties. There are cross-cultural, cross-generational, and universal concept of what is good, what is good versus what is bad, what is right versus what is wrong, what is acceptable versus what is unacceptable. For instance, I would believe that in all of our minds here, no matter what cultural background, cultural background you come from, no matter what age you might be, no matter what else might be diverse among us, we would all say things like honesty and love and even the value of life are all good. Whereas things like deceit or indifference or the taking of life or murder are seen as bad. But, but how can that be if it's all just subjective? And at the same time, there are many concepts in which there is disagreement between what is good and what is not. Over the last week, we'll know, the last several weeks, we know that one of the major stories in the news has been the re-rise of the Taliban and their uh, very quick uh, takeover of Afghanistan after Allied troops left the country. And they've implemented now their standards 
of what is right and what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. So for instance, women and girls are now physically punished for disobedience. They're unable to go to school and they're even killed for things that we in, Western, in the Western society would consider to be basic human rights. So if good and bad is subjective to a race, to a culture, or even to an individual, who are we then to even condemn those type of actions? You, you kind of see the problem, right? So that leads me to my first point. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Goodness is defined by the character and the nature of God. Goodness has to be defined by something outside of us and can only be defined then by the nature and character of God. Not by our own individual understandings, not by any one particular culture or society, not by our own circumstances, individual or otherwise. You see, too often we allow our circumstances to define what is good and bad, as those circumstances are placed in the framework of our own understanding and our own definition of what is good and what is bad, or our understanding and the definition of the culture around us. God, through David here, invites us to come to him, to taste and see that he is the very definition of what is good. Goodness is defined by the character and the nature of God. Now, there's a distinction here that we need to understand. God isn't good because he does good things. God is good, and therefore what he does and what he only can do is good things. His actions come out of his character. And because God is good, God therefore does good things. Who he is comes before who he what he does. So why is it then that, as I mentioned, things like love and honesty and integrity and compassion and justice and so many other things are universally accepted as good? It can't be subjective. It can't be defined by an individual or a society. It must come from an objective source outside of humanity, and that source is God himself. Let me read for us just a few passages of Scripture that reveal the nature and the character of God and define, then, what is truly good. 1 John 4, verses 8 to 9 says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. 1 John 4, verse 16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Here, here's a good one that lists several aspects of God's character that then define for us what is good. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, we know this commonly as the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is part of the triune God, reveals its character in these things. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all aspects of the character and the nature of God that define then what is good. And notice at the end of this passage, Paul writes, against such things there is no law. How many of you have ever seen a law written against things like love or joy or peace? No, you can't do that. That's creating too much peace. No, no, you can't do that. That's exercising too much self-control. 
there's no law that's written against them because these are things that are universally accepted as good because they come from the very nature and character of God himself. We cannot and we should not derive our belief in what is good and therefore what is bad from our circumstances, what's happening around us. Rather, we need to look to God, to his character and to his ways to define goodness. And then we put our circumstances into the context of who he is. Our so-called good circumstances reveal the good, good nature of God. And even our so-called bad circumstances reveal our sinful human state and God's longing for each of us to draw near to him through Jesus Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Goodness is defined by the nature and the character of God. But not only is it a fact that goodness is defined by the nature and character of God, David, in our passage here, invites us to taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, last week, Pastor Layton broke down this idea of tasting and seeing, and we saw that the invitation to taste that the Lord is good is much more than, than just like, you know, you know when you get some hot sauce and you're not sure if it's too hot for you, so you take a tiny little bit and you dip it on the end of your tongue? That, that's not what David is saying here. But David is saying, taste and see, it's, it's the, the willingness to immerse yourself in the presence of God. It's willing to dive deep, to experience fully who he is. It's not just a little dab or, or not standing from afar to see what's going on with, with God or with Jesus. It's coming close to him and coming close to his presence. It's an invitation to come near to God. And so my second point is this. God invites us to experience his goodness by trusting him. God invites us to experience his goodness by trusting him. When Jesus was on earth, many people saw Jesus. They listened to his teaching. They watched him perform many miracles. A lot of people watched him do that. But significantly less people truly experience his goodness by trusting him. In fact, many times, people didn't want to commit to coming closer to God. They just wanted to watch him from afar. And while it might have been a good show, they never truly experienced the goodness of God. The story of the paralytic and his four friends experienced the goodness of Jesus when they trusted him by opening a hole in the roof of the home that Jesus was teaching in and lowering their paralyzed friend in front of him so that Jesus could heal him. The bleeding woman experienced the goodness of Jesus when she trusted him by forcing her way through a crowd just so she could reach out and touch his cloak. Peter experienced the goodness of God, when he trusted him by stepping out of the boat and into the stormy sea. And God, ex God invites us to experience his goodness by trusting him. The dictionary defines trust as a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And I would actually challenge that definition, at least in our context, by adding two words to the beginning of it. I would, define uh, I would define trust as this, acting on a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And in this case, we're talking about God himself. It's not just believing that God is good. It's trusting that he is good. 
In order to trust, we actually have to take steps of faith and come into his presence. I'm going to ask Benjamin Vanderwalt if you wouldn't mind to come and join me on stage here. And as he makes his way up, I just want to share a little bit of backstory before he shares his testimony. Several years ago when uh, Spencer and Karen first moved to Canada, and they were undertaking ministry over in the west side in Meadow Green, the House for All Nations, um, they rented a home very close to where their church facility, their building is. And um, according to um, Spencer's story, at the time they didn't realize that this area was uh, known as the hood. And I don't think in an affectionate sense. One night, uh, one evening, was it? Um, someone burst into their home, screaming out for help because a gang, there were gang members, I think, chasing him and wanted to kill him. And this obviously created some trauma within the family, including, including young Benjamin here. And so from that time, Spencer's story tells me that there was a real fear in Benjamin. And, and Benjamin had, had, has had questions really trusting God. If this had happened, how could he trust God? And it actually produced some physical symptoms in you, right? Some nausea, times where you're not feeling well. Well, several months ago, or no, sorry, several weeks ago, just a little over a month ago, Benjamin was feeling this sickness again, I think. Is that, would that be right? Feeling sick again. And this was, I think, brought on because you were getting ready to go back to school, and you were nervous about that. After this year we've had, right? I mean, it's crazy to think you've got to go back to school. But Benjamin, why don't you come on over here and tell us kind of what happened. We went to Pastor, Pastor Rick and Ruth's home to water their flowers. That day I was feeling really sick and very nauseous. As my dad was outside watering some of the plants, I was inside the bathroom not feeling well. I was praying and asked God if he would hear my prayer to make me feel better by showing me a feather. After I prayed, I went outside with my dad and helped him hold the to hold the hose so it wouldn't brush against the flowers. Dad asked me to turn the tap off and I walked through the garden gate. As I looked down, I saw a feather to my right on the ground. I immediately knew that Jesus answered my prayer and, I, and grateful emotions flooded all over me and I knew I was going to feel better. I started feeling better on the way home and slept the whole afternoon and woke up feeling completely well. Before you go, Ben, let me just ask you a question. So you had this experience where you just prayed to God. Yeah. You trusted him, right? Mm -hmm. And he showed you this feather to show you that he was real, that he was hearing your prayer. How do you feel now about calling out to Jesus? Well, in the past, I really wasn't sure that Jesus answered my prayers because I struggled with things in the past. But now that, now when that happened, I have much more faith in Jesus that he hears my prayers and answers them. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for sharing. Glad to see you. Uh, I first heard this story from, from, actually Leighton was in a conversation with Spencer and shared this story. And then I followed up by, by uh, sh uh, talking to Spencer a bit and then asking Ben to share it with me last Sunday. And, I, I'm, I'm just awestruck that, that God would reveal himself to us, no matter what age we are, 
young as Benjamin or younger, perhaps old as, I don't want to pick on anybody here and point someone out, but older than he, and that God would actually reveal his goodness when we trust him, when we take that action step and trust him. If we believe that God and God alone is truly good, that belief side of it, and we act on that belief, we call out to him, we can experience the goodness of God. When we trust God, I mean, really, when we trust God, what we're doing is opening ourselves up to a relationship with him, aren't we? That we're stepping out in faith, believing that God will respond, and we're entering into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And that's the first step in truly experiencing his goodness. If you're here this morning, or if you're, if you're listening online, and you've never entered into a relationship with God, if you've never experienced the goodness of God by first trusting him, can I encourage you to do so? Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I like the way the message puts it. This is the way uh, the message translation says it. It says, it's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right, and then you say it right aloud. God has set everything right between him and me. That's God's invitation to you, to experience his goodness by first stepping forward in trust. And if you've never done that before, then can I encourage you to do so? And if that's a desire of your heart today, to trust God, to begin a relationship with God through Jesus, to experience his goodness, that's all you need to do. Call out to God and trust him. And that's a decision you want to make, then I encourage you, talk to a Christ follower that may be beside you that you know. Call somebody right now, even if you're online. Text somebody and say, what does this mean to, to, to begin a relationship with God? God invites us to experience his goodness by trusting him. Finally, our passage finishes this way. It says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Now, this is both a statement and I would suggest an invitation to go deeper into relationship with God and fully enter into his goodness. That's really what it means to be blessed, to enjoy his goodness all the time, to, to see the goodness of God all around us in all things. It's, it goes now beyond trusting him. It goes deeper than that. And when we do so, we end up taking refuge in him. He becomes our protector, our shelter. And so my final point is this, that God invites us to dwell in his goodness by submitting to him to dwell in his goodness by submitting to him. Those who take refuge in God are blessed by him. Now, the idea of God being our refuge isn't, isn't that we just come to him when we're in trouble. He's certainly available to us when we're in trouble, but we don't only come to him when we're in trouble. It's that we're in a relationship with him, and that he then becomes our protection, our security, our shelter as we grow and grow in our faith and our trust in him. And to truly be our refuge, we need to submit ourselves to him. We can't claim God as our refuge and expect him to protect and shelter us if we're not willing then to submit ourselves in the entirety of our lives to him. 
You expect God to protect you, but you want to live your own way? It doesn't, doesn't work that way. If you want to enjoy the protection and the refuge that God provides, we need to submit our lives wholly and entirely to him. We don't honor God. We don't honor our relationship with him if we only come to him in our times of trouble and distress. The Psalms like this one are full of times when David and the other writers of Psalms would claim God as their refuge. Psalm 62 says this, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Just like the Israelites of David's day, too often we try to find refuge and security in things other than God. Instead of turning to God, we look to ourselves or others around us. We trust in our own wisdom, our own way of doing things. We trust in our financial security, our relationship security. But God's invitation to each and every one of us is to dwell, to take refuge in his goodness by submitting ourselves to him. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't or won't lead us into difficult or trying or even dangerous situations. Jesus led his disciples into a boat knowing full well that a fierce storm was going to come upon them. The disciples were terrified, but Jesus, their refuge, was with them, and he was the one that calmed the storm. In God's presence, in submission to him, we can face even the most dangerous and difficult situation with confidence, because we know he is our refuge. I'll ask Aaron Walters if he'll come up at this time to share a testimony. Many of you may know him as Dr. Aaron Walters. I think this morning, I think Aaron is just fine. Um, and he's going to share with us a story about his late older brother. And I actually believe his testimony captures a lot of what we've been trying to talk about and what we've been trying to share this morning. So Aaron, share with us. I'll get my old school notes out here. Thanks, Cal. Appreciate it. Uh, good morning, everybody. Yeah, like Cal said, I'm Aaron. Uh, it's my pleasure this morning to talk about my brother, Daryl. And uh, the story how, uh, how the goodness of God was apparent in his, in his days uh, battling cancer. And uh, yeah, it was a, it's been an interesting little while for us. Uh, growing up, I was the youngest of five kids, uh, Daryl being 14 years older than me. He was a typical big brother. He tormented me. He teased me. He threw me around. In fact, him and his, my other, other brother, Dar or Larry, uh, would play catch with me, but I was the ball. So that's how it went. I was little, they were big. Uh, he was a great guy though, loved the man uh, with all my heart and uh, we, uh, we got along really well. Uh, he was a really healthy man, he was very robust. He always looked 15 years younger than he actually was. He, was, he lifted weights, he, he never smoked, he, he had a great healthy lifestyle. Uh, last fall, however, he, things started to change. He, uh, he started getting some pain in his uh, one leg and he, he was, up on the roof shingling, he, they thought it was just something he pulled. It was, uh, he's, he was 67 years old, he's, you know, he should have been up on the roof. But it got worse, it got worse. And uh, he was walking up the stairs one afternoon and his femur snapped, just head of the femur broke right off. We call that a pathological fracture. Um, he was diagnosed with a, with a rare form of bone cancer. Uh, the doctors were stumped, they didn't know what it was, they, they couldn't figure out how to treat it. They, uh, they said it was unusual. Uh, one in half a million. Um, but then the story got interesting. Uh, he went to the hospital, obviously, and uh, the oncologist, who just happened to be on call that day, was a Christian man. 
Uh, it turned out he was actually a member of Daryl's son's men's group at uh, Hillsdale Baptist in Regina. Uh, he and Daryl became close friends. Uh, everybody was wondering, oh, how he gave Daryl his cell number. He said, call me anytime. And the nurses were wondering, how, how does he, who does he know? How does he get to know this, this specialist, this well-renowned, you know, well-respected specialist as well? Uh, after more testing, the doctors felt that the best course of action was to actually do a full leg amputation. Um, hip, hip disarticulation, take the whole leg, femur, everything, take it out. Um, they decided, though, that this, this uh, specialist oncologist actually knew a colleague of his here in Saskatoon. Um, and he said, well, let's, I'm going to get his opinion, because they were going to send Daryl to, to Calgary, and he didn't want to travel to Calgary. So the specialist, who also happened to be a Christian, See the pattern? Um, he said, send him up, Paul, I'll look at him. Um, so this doctor said the amputation was probably the best route as well, but he wanted to do some more tests. He wanted to get some more scans done, figure out you know, what, what the best route of, uh, of surgery would be. And they booked him for a surgical uh, surgery uh, first week of March. So on the day of surgery, Daryl didn't even know what was going to, he didn't know if he's losing his leg, if they're saving his leg, he didn't know. He, they were still unsure. They were still looking at scans and MRIs. And uh, the doctor came into the pre-op, uh, Daryl's laying on his bed, and he said, you know what, we're going to save your leg. We're going we're gonna to do a, we're going to take you and we're going to rebuild your whole upper leg. So they did a full knee, hip, femur transplant, basically. Very rare. They don't do this very often. It took about seven hours, but it went well. Uh, they, were, they were pleased. And, uh, and his nurses were, were so impressed with Daryl's progress. Um, and it turns out some of them were Christians as well, and they were praying for him. So there again, God led people to him. It's, it's in, in my mind, it's, his fingerprints were all over that. Uh, he was doing well. He uh, went back to Regina, started to rehab. Uh, he started driving again. He was in his garage uh, working on his classic 1965 Oldsmobile, his, his baby he's had since the 1970s, nicknamed Billy. Love that car. I love that car. I should probably buy that car. Um, but um, he was doing well. And then, but unfortunately, in May, he started having more pain. Uh, pain was coming back. He was starting to have other symptoms, so more scans, more MRIs, more, more tests. Uh, cancer had spread. Lungs, lymph nodes, other bones. Uh, his oncologist had to give him the story uh, news that he had, he had months to live. Uh, and then Daryl passed away on, on August 11th. But now the good news. Um, Darryl, before Daryl passed, he, he met with his pastor from, uh, his, from the church, and, and he had talked to him numerous times. It wasn't just kind of a last hour thing, but, and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And uh, I had a good talk with Daryl before he, he passed, and he said he wasn't afraid. He said he knew where he was going. He was, uh, he said, you know, Aaron, he goes, I think cancer came into my life to change me. You know, he, he needed this, which is kind of incredible. I don't think that cancer would be sent to your life to change you, but it changed him. He was a different man. Um, he rarely complained. He was thankful for all the help he received, and uh, it was very apparent. Uh, he found great solace and peace from reading his Bible. So I would encourage you guys, if, you've never read, if you haven't read, the, read your Bible in a while, pick it up. Uh, get reacquainted with who Jesus is. Uh, you'll be glad you did. Uh, Daryl fought hard, but he's now with the Lord, and there's no doubt that God is good. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Um, I, I like some of the expressions that, that Aaron used. God's fingerprints were all over this. Um, that maybe cancer was brought, even from Daryl's own reflection, that maybe this cancer was brought in to, to change him, to lead him toward him.
God invites us to dwell in his goodness by submitting to him. I kind of put uh, BTS as my uh, outline for our message this morning. Oh, we're down. I had a picture up of BTS for Kristen, but obviously that's not on the screen right now. BTS, believe that God indeed is the source of all that's good. Trust in him and take steps of faith toward trust and then submit to him. Submit the whole of your life to him. And when we do so, I believe we begin that journey of truly experiencing the goodness of God. Before the worship team comes up to lead us in a closing song, I want to give you an opportunity to also taste and see that the Lord is good. We're running short on time, so I'll just take a minute to do this. Maybe some of you today are here, you're watching me in front, you're listening to me here, or you're listening online. And you need to start just by simply asking God to reveal himself to you and show you that he indeed is truly good. I actually believe that if our hearts truly long to see the goodness of God and we cry out to him, he'll do it. Not in a, not in a kind of a show me a magic trick kind of way, but a, a deep desire that only you know whether it's genuine or not, but a, a desire in your heart to say, God, if you're real and you're there and you're truly good, show me, reveal to me your goodness. And I believe God will do that like he did for Benjamin. Maybe that's how you want to start to experience the goodness of God. Maybe for others who have been believers for a long time, but maybe this last season and this last time has caused you a bit of a drift. Maybe you just simply need to recall in your mind episodes where you saw the goodness of God. Because I believe that God, especially with his children, reveals his goodness all around in all sorts of circumstances. And maybe simply you just need to bring to mind something that happened this last week, this morning before you came here that says, you know what, God is good. God is good. I wanted to give you a minute to do that. And if, if you want to, share with the person beside you. I know we're not all comfortable do, always doing that, but it's just very simple. If you, just take a minute, think about that, and turn to somebody beside you and say, you know what, I saw the goodness of God, and then share with them your experience. Go ahead and take a minute to do that. I hope that we all have something that we could share, even if it's just in the quietness of our hearts or, or with somebody beside you. It simply reveals the goodness of God, the goodness of God. Over the next several weeks, we're going to continue looking at ways that we see and experience the goodness of God in all life. We're going to look at fellowship and prayer and worship and mission. And again, this is not just a head knowledge kind of series. We want this to be experiential. We're going to try some different things, um, things that we hope will help you taste the goodness of God. And wherever you're at in your journey, I hope that you come to him and experience fully his goodness. Robin, why don't you lead us in a closing song? God's people have gotten together to, to worship him, to experience his goodness. Remain standing as I read for us a benediction, and I'm just going to read from Psalm 34 again, verses 8 to 10. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Amen?
Thank you for being with us. Uh, take time to visit with those who are around you. We look forward to seeing you next week. And again, we're going to do things a little bit different so that we can taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. Maybe share some stories around with those around you of the, of the goodness of God in your life. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next time we get. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.